Hello everyone and welcome to the Business of PT podcast. I'll be your host, JT Moore. In this podcast, we will be interviewing successful physical therapists and learning about their stories in the field of PT. We will discuss a variety of topics such as entrepreneurship, careers, and pathways in physical therapy, as well as important characteristics in becoming a great PT. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and if you liked it, make sure to subscribe to get updates when new podcasts are released. Thanks, everyone. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, we have the pleasure of having Brett Fisher with us. He is the creator of the Ab Dolly and is a staff physical therapist for the Arizona Cardinals. He also opened and sold his own private practice. He's a licensed physical therapist, certified athletic trainer, certified strength and conditioning specialist, and certified in dry needling provider, and FDA approved in blood flow restriction training. Brett, thanks for coming on. Great to have Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And honestly, I'm really excited to have you on. I was able to have a rotation at your clinic that you had, and I learned a lot from it. And I really enjoyed it. And I would love to be able to have you introduce yourself to the audience and give a little background of yourself to start off. I'm Brett Fisher. Um, great to be here. And uh, I started my career back as a PT, graduated way back in 1985. So I'm old school. Um, I, I graduated from Florida International University. Went, I did my undergrad at uh, University of Florida. And uh, I was really fortunate in Miami. Like I said, the, the structures that we had were all clinical owners and they really gave us practical information to prepare us to go out into the world. Um, when I left Miami in uh, 85, I um, went down to Los Angeles and worked as the PT clinic. And then I got a job on the PGA tour, which took me all over the world, being a physical therapist for the PGA, senior PGA, the European tour, which is a great experience doing that, and a lot of spinal injuries as well. Uh, from there, I was able to join the Chicago Cubs as an assistant trainer and physical therapist. And I spent three seasons in Chicago. Unfortunately, the last year, we lost too many games, and um, they fired me and fired a bunch of other people just because they changed new GMs. And that was my first taste of really professional sports in a, in a nasty way. Uh, we, had a, we had already had a house in Phoenix, so that was my home base. And at that time, I started working at a small clinic. It was a horrible year as far as me being there because it was like a really factory-type corporate facility, numbers-based only. And at the time, I hated it. But later, it really taught me things about what I don't want to do is how I do physical therapy, how I treat people. So it was really a good learning lesson. And then my wife, who was a lot smarter than me, really encouraged me to open a clinic and she would help me open it. And I, I didn't want to do that at first. I wanted to get back into sports, but I was led to do that. And uh, I'm glad I did. It was uh, 24 years of a great business. And we really were able to service a lot of um, patients, athletes, everybody in, involved in that. And in that time, I also had an opportunity of betting the Abdali, which we've had out now for almost 20 something years, um, and which is an abdominal product working on the deep core muscles. And 14 years ago, I started as a consultant with the Arizona Cardinals football team, uh, working over there, which is about 20 minutes from our clinic. And uh, that's been a real blessing as well. So it's been a fun ride doing, doing physical therapy for the last, since 1985. 
yeah, it's honestly just from that background right there, a very successful career, obviously, and in the world of physical therapy and something that I definitely want to learn more about. I kind of wanted to know, how did you initially get into PT? Was that something that you were exposed to through sports or how did you get into that career path? I was a real sports freak growing up in Philadelphia. And I always know I wanted to be around sports, but I was never good enough to go play professionally. Um, so when I was 14 years old, I got a job at a local, I call Bada Bing gym. It was like a real meathead gym. Just guys lifting weights. And there was like one bicycle. It was like this old bike. And that was the cardio room. It was like one bike. <laughs> but it really got me interested in like muscles and how things grow and proper technique and things like that. So I really got interested in the sports medicine at that time. And it really spoke to my heart and what I wanted to do. So actually by the senior year in high school, I knew I wanted to go into sports medicine. I didn't quite know what that meant per se, but when I went to the University of Florida, I became a student trainer, student athletic trainer for the Florida football team. And I was very fortunate to work with a man named Jim Russ, who later became the head, head physical therapist and athletic trainer for Notre Dame for many, many years. He pulled me aside. He says, I really want you to get your athletic training degree, but I really want you to be a PT. You should do both. And at 18 years old, it sounded good to me. And I, to this day, I thank him every year that he took an 18 year old and really gave him some direction as far as my career path. And I really thank him to this day for doing that for me. So that's what led me to physical therapy. And then one thing led to another and it's been a fun ride ever since. Yeah, no, that, that is awesome that you were able to have such a great mentor early on in your life to be able to really guide you and, and lead you in that direction. And then you obviously, from people that I've known and we talked about it before we recorded there's been other people that you've mentored and helped along the way as well. And so that's been a, a, a domino effect that you could say. And so, yeah, I, you kind of mentioned it and I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about it, a lot of different avenues of what, how your introduction went, but you talked a little bit about the ab dolly and I wanted to know like, kind of how you came up with that idea and bringing that, like, that's something that I see in almost all the clinics that I've been in throughout, like throughout the U S that I've worked in. And it's, it's something that I'm like, wow, like you created that. I wanted to know, did you ever see yourself as like an entrepreneur or like an inventor in that sense? Or how did that come about? No, never. That was, <laughs> that was totally a God moment. I'm not that smart, but um, I was just frustrated because I, you know, you could do planks and do certain things, but I think what else is there? And I was driving on the 60 freeway in Phoenix, Arizona between Tempe and Mesa. And, and really God gave me an idea for this product. And I saw a home Depot and I pulled off the, off the freeway at Country Club Boulevard. I never forget this. And I went in there and I was trying to find those big dollies they put trash cans on at restaurants. And I found the section where they had it. And I got in the ground on the aisle and I started rolling around and doing functional movements with it. And I guess the managers were monitoring the cameras for like shoplifting and certain things. All of a sudden, this guy came out and goes, hey, what are you doing? I said, I'm a physical therapist. He goes, what? He goes, are you drunk? I said, no. He goes, well, get out of here. So I took this product. It was like a, just an old dolly at trash cans go on. And I bought it. And I had a patient who upholsterized. He did like all these cars, like they redid the seating. And I asked him in Spanish if he would do it for me. And he did it. And I started using it on patients um, and to see what they thought. And I got a lot of good feedback. And then um, I was in able to uh, go to a course or two with Gary Gray, who really revolutionized the way I see physical therapy. He's the father of function. And I became friends with him. And I said, Gary, I have this weird idea. 
do you know who I can talk to about this? Because I sure do. I know the people from Total Gym who are on TV with Chuck Norris. I'm sure they can direct you in the right direction. And sure enough, they did. They got me with a company called American Telecast. Uh, I make a long story short. We had a, we produced them, got a design, produced them in Taiwan, where we still produce them today. Um, and we did two infomercials all over the country. And we've sold many, many, many over the years. Um, we're actually coming out with a new one, which I'm super excited about. It's going to really uh, change the way we do things because we get ability to use lower upper body resistance with it. And it's going to be a lot of fun. So it's been an amazing one. I never thought I'd be that person. I get requests all the time on how I did it. And I have an invention and I say, well, the best thing to do is take it to somebody who has a great idea and or has a current, current system in it. And let's see if they want to buy you out, things like that. But um, no, I never thought I would be an inventor in my wildest dreams, um, but uh, it happened. And uh, sometimes invention occurs because of necessity that needed in the, in the world. That's kind of what this came about. It was more of a necessity. Like I need to do something different with my patients. So that's kind of led me to that, that process. That's awesome. No, like, as you said that, like I had someone else on the podcast recently, Scott Dickinson, and he talked about how he created like one for like strengthening the neck. And it was off of a skateboard. He like saw a skateboard, like laying down and he like started working on like strengthening the neck. And it's so cool. That, like, are these ideas that you guys have like seen and then all of a sudden just worked it, worked it, worked it. And that's, like I said, it's something that you see in almost every PT clinic. It's something that's super useful. And, and that's such, that's so cool. Like to be able to have that idea, go to Home Depot and to see where it is now. I think that's, <laughs> I don't know. It's definitely a very like uplifting and cool thought to see like, Hey, anybody, if you have an idea, you can come up with it. And if you really have that passion to, to make that idea progress and go forward, it can be a huge success. Yeah. There's some days I go, really? I, that's amazing. It did happen. Like it was me, I didn't, it, but it really wasn't me. God, God gave me an idea. I just followed through with it. The people I got associated with were awesome people, honest people. And it's just been a situation where it helps people. And that's the big, best thing about it. Gotcha. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great way to explain it right there. And I also wanted to try and talk about, you talked a little bit how initially you didn't want to be a, a private practice owner. You didn't want to open up your own clinic, but then your wife was able to help you kind of like get you over that hump and, and do that. Um, and so obviously it was, it was formerly known as Fisher Institute. And I really, I I've loved being able to go there. I didn't know like there was a progression in the different clinic sides and things. So I didn't know all that. I kind of wanted to know how was that like when you first decided to open up your own practice? What are some of the lessons? I'm sure there's some huge lessons along the way, but what were some of those things? Could you take us along that process, that journey? I knew nothing about, about private practice. I had spent my whole career in professional sports, PGA Tour, Chicago Cubs. So it was completely foreign to me. And I had to learn from the, from the ground up on every little aspect, how to bill, all those things. I had never done that. Just never have done that. And um, Stan Conti from the Giants, the baseball team in San Francisco, really helped me and walked me through the process because he had owned clinics in San Francisco that he had sold. And he really walked me through that process to um, educate me on how to do things. And we started out small. It was like uh, 2,000 square feet facility, really small. And I, I put it next to a big field. We had knew it had athletes and Every four years, I went to a bigger facility until I eventually bought a building uh, that was 20,000 square feet. But uh, it just took time. And I, I, I learned the hard way. I made mistakes the hard way. Um, finding the accountant, the right accountant, how to get the right biller, um, on and on and on. 
<clears throat> countless hours of just trying something completely new that I had no idea. But when you have a family, <laughs> at the time I had two boys, I have four boys now, there's no, this can't work. There's no, I can't go back. You find a way and you call people, hey, what's this? What's that? You don't know that. And I learned to get over that real quick. Yeah, I don't know that. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to ask you anyways, and let me know what you think. And that includes my accountants. That includes everybody in my life. And you get a survival mode almost, like I'm going to go get this thing. And, um, and this is back in the you know late 90s. So there wasn't as much information out there is now about how to run a practice and things like that. So once again, I, I've been so, so fortunate, JT, to have people in my life. I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, where would I be without that person? And there's been so many people in my life who were there for me to give me really good advice uh, along the way, especially my wife. She's so good at business. And um, if it wasn't for her, I wouldn't be here today. That is awesome. That is really cool. And like, I definitely, I can see that, like that sense of humility of like, either like having people talk to you and, and, and absorb that or not being afraid to ask those questions. I feel like that's something that success is bred through humility and be able to learn and absorb. And like you said, like you had that survival mode of wanting to succeed and you've definitely succeeded and, and been very well with everything. And I kind of wanted to know, like being at the current clinic that, like that I was able to witness, it was, that was awesome. I thought that was such a cool, as, as the realm of sports, physical therapy, I thought that was such a unique clinic. Did you always have that oh, this is what I want it to be in the end? Or like from that initial one that you had to the final one, did you always have that vision and it was just a matter of staging it? Or how did that work exactly? It was always my vision because I came from an athletic training background. So I wanted everything open like a training room. There's no private rooms. Um, I wanted TVs up there. I want people to, to feel at home. I want them to make have a connection with the clinic, a connection with me. I'm not sure when you were there, but I always had my gold retrievers there every day. Um, so my golden retrievers were there every day. I want people to feel like they're coming to their second home. So it's always been the same thing. And then people put their pictures up on the wall. I want to be a place where they kind of said, Hey, I was there. I was proud to be there. So it was always that concept. I had people tell me I was crazy. I had people say, you shouldn't do that. It doesn't look professional. I just know me. And, um, I'm not the smartest guy in the world. So I get a lot of people who help me but I am the most passionate person in the world because I know my why, why am I doing physical therapy? When you know your why and you know your purpose, passion comes out of that. And that passion allows you to be humble, say, I don't know. I don't care that you think I don't know. I just want to get this thing done because I got to get it done. I have a family to feed. I have people I want to help. I have goals I want to get. So those are the things that drive me each and every day. So uh, along the way, though, like I said, so many good, great people, great patients, um, so many stories. You know, it's just so much fun. Yeah. And I guess like you kind of mentioned that I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper on that question. Like, what is your why in PT? What are some of yeah. like the, what is that big why for you? For, for me, it's to serve God through helping people reach their goals. So for me, I'm able to, you know, when I was in sports, when I first became into sports, um, it was about me treating these athletes. And when I got that taken away from being in five of the Cubs, I was really humbled by that in that, was I doing it for the fame? Was I doing it for the, the scene? Or was it really in my heart? And there's a, there's a scripture in, in the Bible that says, um, for the least of my brothers, you did it for me. Meaning Mrs. Smith, who's 78 years old, that's 
God had sent her to my clinic. Treat her as if you're treating me. And that, that year and a half where it was the worst year of my life, I got humbled to the point where it's like, no, I'm doing PT to help people. Now, my, my passion is sports, but at the time, I needed to be humbled. And that brought me back to reality and really serve people. Now, I've been very fortunate. Now, God has restored things where I have that perspective still. And I don't lose that. But I happen to see a lot of athletes now at high levels. So um, it got restored back to me. But at the same time, I'm never too big to not help anybody. And that's, that's the important aspect that I learned the hard way. And I'm glad I learned it because it, it changed my life. Gotcha. I, I love that answer. Honestly, I think that that is something like when you said it like that really resonated, resonated with me. I definitely got into physical therapy because I enjoy serving those people and having them be able to get from one quality of life to a better quality of life, to have that joy, to have them yeah, have an increase in joy and be able to have that experience. And, and if anything was limited or taken away from that, they can return to that function and have that same experience that they wanted to have. And I, I especially with me as well, like sports is a passion of mine. I love like athletics and, and that'd be like my dream to be able to work in that sports thing as well. But definitely I love that you said you were humbled that what am I doing it for? Am I doing it just for that fame or am I doing it to serve yeah. people? And I love that. That was, that was an awesome answer. Thank you. There's a, there's a hall of fame speech by John Calipari in the, in the basketball hall of fame. And the last part of it, it's on YouTube. It's amazing. He says, if you're looking for fame and fortune, those things are fleeting, but if you're looking to help people reach the, reach their goals, that's what it's all about. And he goes, I'm a dream maker. So if I can help someone's dream, that's what I want to be. And that his, that's how he ended his speech. And it was so amazing because it resonated who I thought I've been, you know, first thing you ask the patient, what's your goal today, right? That's a basic PT question, but really what is your goal? Like my, my goal is just to go back to the backyard and shovel and make, and then get my flowers ready to go. Man, that's a great goal. And then, so that's really the essence of it that drives me to really help people reach those goals. Gotcha. No, I love that. That's I, that's a great, I mean, like putting that question first, I never thought about it in an eval kind of like, I'm still learning and kind of creating my own, but I was like, hmm, I, I've never thought about asking that right off the bat and then figuring out how can I, because people talk about like setting that goal and how can you like backtrack to be able to get to that from that starting point to that end point. And I don't know that definitely like, hmm, how could I add that into like an eval possibly for that? Yeah. Question. That's one of my first questions. Like when you leave here, today or the next few weeks, what's your goal? What, what do you expect out of this? It's so important. But also for me, I ask, how are you doing? How are you doing through this? For example, if they were in a car accident, <clears throat> are you okay? Is everyone else okay if you don't mind me asking? And to me, making that connection with the patient is really one of the most important things. In fact, I speak a lot on EQ, emotional intelligence. And the research coming out, is showing us that IQ, not uh, yeah, IQ is not the biggest predictor of best physical therapists or medical people. It's EQ, and the relationship that a patient has with their therapist or doctor actually is the most important determinant of how they're going to succeed outcome-wise. And my goal, you know, because really at the end of the day, though, JT, I don't really do anything proprietary. I dry needle, I ace them, I mobilize, I manipulate, I do exercises. Yeah, I've worked at my craft, don't get me wrong. But for me, I think what helped me the most is being able to connect with my patients in a way that makes them feel comfortable, trustworthy, and it changes everything. It changes dynamics. It changes how you get people back. So from the get-go, 
I sit below the patient on an evaluation. I make them feel comfortable. If it's a young female who's like 14 and <clears throat> there's a bunch of people around there, I'll put her in, in a corner where she doesn't feel like she's out there and everybody's looking at her. But just kind of being aware of what they're thinking and, and treating those, those people as if well, how they want to be treated is really in the back of my mind at all times. Because if I can create a great connection with that patient, then I got a better chance of getting a better outcome. And if I do have a hard time in the rehab or things kind of go sour for a little bit, at least I got a connection where I can kind of communicate with them and say, okay, what are you feeling? How are you feeling? Let's get this thing together. Let's get back on track. And you don't lose a patient. And it makes my job easier. It's probably just as much I think about what I'm going to do physical therapy wise, as much as I think about what are they thinking and what are they feeling? And that's why to me, it's such an important part to really connect with your patient. Yeah. I think connecting with the patient is so, so essential and, and them really be able to have that trust in you. Like w- when you were talking, what came like the, the quote that came to my mind is like, nobody cares how much, you know, until you, they know how much right. you care. That's and right. like, I think that's, I've seen that I've seen where like that care is, is what they value sometimes even more than like they've gotten better, but they really value that friendship and that, Hey, this person cares for me and wants me to get better. And I think that's a, like, especially in the healthcare field, especially when we get into it, that's so important that we're able to really, like you said, make them feel comfortable, make them know that, Hey, we're here for you as a person, not just for your injury, but like for you as a person wanting you to get better. And that's a great point. <laughs> There's sometimes where you open the floodgate and they give you everything, but you have to be kind of political and say, okay, that's good. Hold on to that story. Let's get back to your injury. And you got to put them back on track, you know, <laughs> but that's, that's a good problem to have. Right. Yeah. Um, and that just comes with more experience where you got to stay back on track because time-wise you don't have a lot of time, you know, with PT nowadays and you got to be really concise, but I always make time to see where they're at emotionally so I can meet them there. There's not a, I, I, I that's one thing I won't do. I'm not there just to give a diagnosis and treatment. They get that all the time anywhere else. My thing is to hear their story. How can I help you? What's your goals? Um, and everything like that. And I just think it's important that they feel comfortable where they're at, the music, the lighting, the TVs, whatever it may be. I want that atmosphere to be where they feel, I'm feel comfortable here. I feel there's something different here. And I don't know who this guy is with slick hair, but he does care about me. So there we go. (laughs) I like it. I like it a lot. Um, Yeah. And so I I wanted to kind of transition to another question. Um, We kind of talked about you opening up your own practice, the ab dolly, and obviously a big part, big portion of your career has been in sports and currently you are like working with Arizona Cardinals as a physical yeah. therapist. What has that been like? How, like what, I know that's a very unique experience in the world of PT. Yeah. What has that been like? Um, I'm glad you asked that question um, because everybody goes, Oh, I want to do what you do. And I want to do sports and all that. Um, and it's, it's an amazing thing. It, it's an amazing thing to see somebody every day from like in our case off season, but really start a training camp to the end of the season. And you're treating them every day, seven days a week, okay? And you get to know them really well. And you have a lot of long hours with them. And you become close with a lot of people in unique ways that maybe three times a week you do. But this is more than that. It's, it's, and then you go into a stadium where there's 70,000 people. And there's 53 players and some trainers and coaches. And that's you guys. And you walk out together. You come in together. There's a camaraderie that um, lasts forever. Friends I have from the teams in the past were still like brothers. And that's just an amazing um, scenario 
in anyone's life to have that emotion and that feeling. But when therapists asked me that they want to do that, I said, go volunteer, go get an internship and see if you really like it. They go, what do you mean? I go, ask my wife. I get up at three o'clock, three 30 in the morning to work out. I get home at six o'clock. And part of the job is um, we start training camp July 22nd. I'll go to the end of the season, which is hopefully Super Bowl, uh, February 14th. And I might have two days off that whole time. That's a sacrifice. It's a sacrifice of your life as far as your physical body, your time, your family time. It's, 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 you, it, it costs you some things. I, I've missed some of my kids' games. I've missed some, certain things. Um, this year, I missed my anniversary. I was in Cleveland. So there's things that you miss. Um, it's not all rosy, but, and there's also high pressure. There's a lot of emotions on the sidelines where you get yelled at because they're emotional and you have to learn to take it and, or be able to work on somebody and the TV cameras are on you and you don't want to screw up. So there's good and there's bad, like any job, but it, there's a lot more good than bad. And I'm very fortunate to work with the Arizona Cardinals. Um, uh, Michael Bidwell is our owner. He's an amazing man. Um, he supplies us with whatever we need for our health, which is really cool. Like <laughs> to go in there and like, you want the best needles for dry needling, go get them. Like it's just, he, he supports us really well. And uh, I really appreciate that so much. And it allows you to develop a lot of your skills. Like for example, I'm very fortunate to have had uh, dry needling over the last, I think 12 years now, but in the, in the Cardinal or the NFL realm, I probably needle three or four people a day over all these 14 years. You get a chance to practice the word practice. You get to practice. Like you hate to say that, but the more you do something, the better you get versus like sometimes in PT, you might see dry needling. You might get one every other day, whatever this I, I do so much. And you can really perfect a lot of your skills, manual skills, things like that. Um, and you get challenged. I mean, everything from getting the helmet thrown around and you're, facial fractures to headaches to fract crazy fractures of the scapula that you only see in car accidents. The fo football gives you that the NFL can throw so many things at you broken ribs. And how do you dry needle broken? I mean, there's so many things like, Oh my gosh, like, it challenges you as a physical therapist. Cause there's so many crazy injuries in the NFL that I'm always learning. Like I'm never stopped learning all the new techniques that you have coming out. It's, it's, it's fun to be on that cutting edge and just sit there and absorb it um, from our doctors, from our strength coaches, from our trainers. There's so much knowledge that goes around there. It's really cool. And, and it's, it's, it's an opportunity to learn a lot each and every day. So every time I go to work, I learn something new every day. And that's, that's really cool when you can say that about a job. Yeah, I think definitely. And that's something that I feel like the best practitioners that I've met and I've talked to and discussed with, that is something that I feel like has helped them go over the edge is that they're constantly wanting to learn that they feel like they've never, Oh, I've got that experience. I know what it's like. They're constantly trying to get out of their comfort zone and, and seek that knowledge and seek that, that information. Cause you're right. Like we're constantly gaining knowledge and improving in our, in our, in our field. And to be able to constantly going after that is, is such an important, I think, aspect in becoming a successful PT. Um, I wanted to know specifically too about like with your career and everything, are there certain, like, I'm sure you have quite a few, but are there any really memorable moments of treating professional athletes that really got you kind of like, this is why I'm in PT. It happens a lot. The day-to-day -day, um, thank yous. I got a, I got a thank you the other day for one of our players after the game. He goes, man, after the game, I couldn't find you in the locker room. I just want to let you know how much I appreciate you. That floats my boat. 
But over the years, I mean, um, when I first saw Randy Johnson, the big unit from the Seattle Mariners, his goal was to pick up his daughter and he had back surgery. And um, he started working with me and he started working with Nolan Ryan on his pitching mechanics and to see how hard he worked and to go from that to winning five Cy Youngs over the next 13 years was amazing. And being able to go to his Hall of Fame speech and be there with him, that was a really cool, cool thing. Um, I also had Kerry Wood from the Chicago Cubs, a pitcher who had uh, rotator cuff surgery. He had seen me like six months after the surgery and it was going really bad. Uh, for the next like nine months, I tried to get him better. It did get better. We went back and forth. And finally, there was a breakthrough. And he returned to play, I think, four more years at a high level on his terms. And that was really, really fulfilling. And then I had a player, um, Dennis Gardak, who plays for the Arizona Cardinals. His brother was in our clinic for Tommy John surgery with the San Francisco Giants. And he said, you know, at the time we had run NFL combine training, getting ready for the draft. He says, I have a brother who plays for, I think South Dakota State Technical, some school I never heard of. It's like not even Division Three. I don't even know what it is. I, I apologize. And I go, well, this is more for like players from like Oklahoma, USC, Penn State, like going to the draft. He goes, no, he's a pretty good athlete. I go, all due respect, everyone tells me their brother's a really good athlete. He goes, no, I'm going to fly him down on Thanksgiving weekend. You work him out. And if he's not going to, if he's going to be in the way, then we won't do it. So he comes down, this kid's really talented. He's really athletic and he's a hard worker. I said, yeah, you're good to go. So his brother pays for all the combine training. He doesn't have an agent. And sure enough, he comes January 1st. And the guy beats my players who are going first, second round and everything. Vertical jump. He's beating them in the 40. He's doing all this. I'm thinking, this guy's like, this, this is pretty amazing. So... Um, I called the Arizona Cardinals. I said, I got someone here. I do that when I have combine and try and give them a heads up. I got a good player. So they go, who is it? And they looked it up. They go, Fish, we don't even have him in the database. Like he's not even like on a community <laughs> college, like a community college. He goes, we have community college guys. He isn't on there. I go, wow. all right. I go, well, I'm, I'm literally eight miles away from the complex. I told our GM, can you send one of the scouts down? He goes, Fish, of course for you. I'll do it. The scout comes down. He goes, this is really athletic. Do you have some film? And his film was crazy. Like he was like Bugs Bunny things where he was just destroying guys in this league, you know? And um, he didn't have an agent. So I got this, like these two big time agents out of New York and they did me a favor. Like they told him like the chances of you making the NFL are, are basically a million to one, but because this is Brett, we're going to represent you for the draft. And if the team calls, we'll be happy to help you. And uh, he did his pro day at South Dakota State University, and they had some big-time players coming out there. And um, when he left that pro day, NFL teams were calling him left and right because his numbers were just off the chart. He signed with the Arizona Cardinals probably because I was there. And uh, last year, you know, the year before that, he made the Pro Bowl ultimate as that, mm -hmm. which was an unbelievable story, you know. And uh, so things like that, you know, he had an ACL late last year and even like he came back and played, he came over before the game and just gave me a hug. I got choked up. You know, those are the things you think about, you know, people like that, that came into my life. And that's actually, he did all the hard work. I was just able to kind of point him in the right direction. So they're just fun stories that come along the way, you know? Yeah. That like that last one is awesome. Cause like I, that is such a cool experience to be able to see one of your other clients come in and like, like he has his brother and he, like you're able to help him out to where, yeah, like 
as a Cardinals fan, like Dennis Gardick is someone, you know, like he's like, you just like, you love to root for him because of, of his energy and his heart that he has out there on the field. And to hear that background story and and see how much of a role you had and just, yeah, like giving him those opportunities is I'm sure that's super gratifying and super fulfilling to be able to do that and be a, a a part of the story. Uh, His rookie year, we had a, a, a coach here, Larry Foote, who's now with the Buccaneers, a really funny guy. So he'd be in meetings and the players would tell me this. Uh, if Dennis made a mistake on the film, he'd say, Dennis, see that right there? You're going to get fish fired. Okay. Cause you're making all these mistakes. Cause I was always, <laughs> he, he was always known as vicious guy, vicious guy, you know? So, <laughs> but he, uh, he's an amazing guy. Um, he's so thankful and I'm thankful for him. And he, you know, he just signed a big contract this year, which was so cool. And he's still the same person, same humble. And uh, it's just that, that's a, those are the fun parts of my job that I get to see firsthand. Yeah, like I was able to. I think during that phase, he was a little. I was there while that process of his rehab, and like, yeah, he was someone. I'm comparatively just a, a student physical therapist there in the clinic, and was super friendly, super nice, and was just. Yeah. I was like, what? Well, like that was really cool to see because sometimes I feel like you see them as as. At least for me, I was like, wow, he's a professional athlete. That's so cool. But some of them are just so down to earth, super nice, and like humble. Like that's something that's really refreshing to see, and and to be able to work with them is that much more gratifying. And I think that they respect that out of you too, that you're going to just treat them that way. And they, they're here to get better like anybody else. And they appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is, that's really cool. And I kind of wanted to know now with that as well, you talked about the first is like, Hey, go, if you want to get into sports, physical therapy, that is everyone that I've heard it. It's a very grueling, very time consuming goal and endeavor to have. And one of the tips of advice you said is like, Hey, go shadow, go observe. Like for someone that's in either physical therapy school or pre like pre PT or a new grad, and they wanted to get into sports physical therapy, what are some other things that you'd say? Hey, these are really important things that I'd wish I had done or wish I had known that would really have helped me out. In what sense? What do you mean by that? Like, um, just like you said, like go go observe to know this is actually yeah. what you want. Are there certain things that you've realized? Like, hey, this is really an important part of if you want to become a, a sports physical oh. therapist, do these things to really get yourself prepared. Well, number one, the NFL does take uh, PT interns now, which is a good way of getting your feet wet, number one. Um, but number two is developing, I call science of exercise, which is the strength coach side of it, quote unquote, strength coach. Uh, NSCA is one of them. Um, but learning the science of exercise, reps and sets, learning eccentrics, when do you use that? How about concentric? When do you use that? Isometrics, how do you use that? How do you put it all together? How do you put energy systems in there? How do you bring an athlete back who plays soccer versus rowing versus the energy systems? Understanding that so when you're getting close to their finishing product, you're preparing for those things. So I think it's really, if you want to go into sports, understanding the science of the exercises, not only the movement patterns, PTs are good at movement, but they're really struggling that I find in how to progress a patient with reps and sets, exercises, planes of motion, all those. And what are you trying to do? And what are the requirements of their sport at the end range? And then work your way backwards. Okay. She has to, she plays soccer. She has to run, change direction, kick, jump. Okay. Then take those elements, break it down, go backwards. And that's how you get them trained. So many PTs, they can get to a certain point. Then they go, now what? You know, I'll just send to a personal trainer. No, you can still do that. And that's the part where I really encourage PTs to get knowledge of science and exercise. So when I do speak, um, I speak in one of my seminars that I talk about is science of exercise. And 
it's, it's really a topic that's not really taught a whole lot in PT school. They do cover it, don't get me wrong. But when PT students come to our facility, they really struggle with that. And even seasoned therapists really don't up to date on those things. So I really try and educate people on those things. It's like, what's out there? You know, and what kind of energy systems are you trying to attack for the core, for the rotator cuff and why? Things like that. Gotcha. And, and I guess just like for like that knowledge, are there like certain courses or certain things that you found that, hey, these are really great ways to or like continue education things. So like if you do these things and these things have really helped you or are things that you recommend, are there any that come to mind? Well, strength training wise, um, I, it's more reading, you know, mm-hmm. but <clears throat> right now, uh, FRC, uh, functional range conditioning has a lot of good courses out there on not only mobility, but also strength and some of those concepts. Um, Gary Gray is always my go-to foundation because he's the father of function and really how does the body work and why is it working certain ways? How do muscles essentially control things and concentrally control things? Gary Gray puts everything together. His, his, his philosophies, his, his observations of a, of a human body over so many years takes you and gives you a base that you can then blossom out to. And um, uh, it's called the great, it's called, um, the, yeah, Gary Gray Institute. And that's where a lot of information is on online for that. Those are some major ones I think I would look into. Okay, perfect. Yeah, like the, like we said before, the current clinical site that I'm at, we do a lot of AFS and yeah. like the Gray Institute things. And I, I've I found that really insightful because I feel like sometimes it, like, based off terminology and things that I've learned in school, sometimes you see like the injury and it's like, Oh, it's a shoulder. We'll screen above and below. And, and that's it. And like, there's so much more sometimes to a patient. Like if it's a baseball player, if they're not having proper core and, and glute activation, yeah, their shoulder might be, might have weakness and pain, but like you have to look at the whole aspect. And if they're not firing the, the lower extremity, they're going to be compensating in their shoulder and they don't have, those are just like small things that I've learned. And I know obviously there's a lot more in depth, yeah. but it's been so cool to see, Hey, this is a big picture. Like, realize that we don't want to just focus on the injury like area, but everything else around it. You know, I always say like 90% of the injuries that occur outside of traumatic injuries are always elsewhere. So the question is like for that pitcher, they're not activating their glutes. Just keep asking why, why the glutes not getting activated. Normally there's something not moving correctly. That's not loading the tissue innately. Either it's Mm -hmm. the ankle, the foot, the knee, the hip, the thoracic spine and looking at those things and saying, okay, what's not functioning. Why is it not functioning? Is it have range of motion, but no strength or both? Those are the things you have to ask yourself and break it down. And those are things I try and teach with is, is like, you know, screening the foot, the ankle, the knee, the hip, the thoracic spine, and really trying to get things clear as possible, as, as fast as possible for, for clinicians. Yeah, no, I, it's been, it's been really cool, a really cool component of, of the education that I've received. And I feel like it's something that sometimes like my program didn't have a ton of AFS in it. Um, like my, my, like physical therapy program that I'm at, but I've really enjoyed adding that in and, and gaining that yeah. knowledge in there. So it's been, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so, yeah, I just kind of w- wanted to ask a couple other questions before we wrap yeah. up. Um, you've obviously had like, throughout like, your sharing on the interview, you've had a lot of great um, mentors and coaches throughout your life to be able to really give you that, that, that guidance. Are there any certain things that have really like they really stuck out to you that you said, Hey, that, that person said this one thing to me. And I've really tried mm-hmm. to carry that throughout my life. Has there been anybody that's really kind of left that lasting impact? Yeah. There was a guy named Keith Clevin. He was a very famous physical therapist in Las Vegas. Uh, unfortunately he passed away a few years ago 
And I remember him telling me on the PGA tour, just never, never think that you have arrived. Always never think that you're more than you are. And um, that always stuck with me. And just, it, it, it's amazing when you stay humble, it opens the door. People feel, don't feel threatened by that. And you continue to learn. I think that's the other thing too. And I just think the more you can give to people, the more you can give out to people, the more you can serve people, um, the more it comes back. And I say that with, with guidelines, you know, um, there's times we need to get away from physical therapy and recharge our batteries because burnout is a big thing. You know, um, do you take care of your body? Do you get sleep? All those different things. You know, there's so many times if I have a big case or the next day, I go to bed at seven 30 at night. Cause I'm excited about the next day, but I want to make sure my body's ready for it. But yeah, you know, there's been so many, there's so many times in my life. I think about people whenever I travel, I, I shoot them a text and say, Hey, I remember you telling me this, you know, and it, it don't come to my mind right now, but I know Keith did. Um, it, it's, it's just, um, I remember Stan Conti saying when he helped me start the clinic, he said, he goes, prepare for success. Everybody prepares like, what if they don't make it? He goes, no, prepare for success. I go, what do you mean? He goes, you're going to be successful. It's just how you handle success is what's going to determine how you do. And I never thought of that. So how you, you know, when you do become successful, how are you going to grow? How are you going to do those things? You know, and then when I did grow, you get people who come in there and say, hey, make sure you get the right people. And then, you know, it's the right people because of their heart, not because just their brain. And then it just goes on and on and on. I look back and go, man, I learned so much. I have very few unique ideas. It's in people who have spoken to me who have kind of taught me along the way. So I just encourage people just to keep your ears open, um, have a huge network of people, um, have a lot of wise counsel. You know, those are so important. I like that. No, I, and those are, those are a lot of, of different tidbits right there, but thank you for sharing all those. Um, yeah. yeah, I think that's, that's a huge component of being able to absorb because so many people around us are, have, have got, have had unique experiences and to learn from them and not think, not to rewrite the book. There's so many people that if you added all those bits and pieces from them and their yeah. success, you'd be so successful with it. And I think that's, I think that's something you've done so well with. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And I kind of also wanted to know, this is another question that I like to ask people on the podcast. What is something that you had wish you had learned sooner in your career that like, that was like the aha moment. That was like, wow, that was a, yeah. a big thing that really helped me out. Anything that comes to mind? Um, you know, as a leader, ultimately you're responsible. So if someone does something that you didn't do, but you're the leader, you are ultimately responsible. Either you didn't, either you did not explain yourself well enough or that person just didn't want to do what you said. And then you have to make a, make a decision what you want to do. But I think ultimately taking responsibility for what, everything that occurs as a leader is super important. And as a leader, you have to be last first. You got to serve your employees and listen to your employees, let them talk, hear them out. Sometimes they need to be educated because sometimes they're a view of things. They don't understand there's other things going on behind the scenes, you know, financially or insurance wise, but really serving them and having an opportunity to hear what they want and their needs, because ultimately you grow as your, your, your clinicians grow with you. And if you don't have that bond, you don't grow as a clinic. And, you know, I always said my biggest compliment is when a patient would thank me for getting them better. And I never touched them. I never treated them. They happened to be at my clinic, but I had such great clinicians. They came and thanked me. And I thought that was pretty cool. So, you know, 
look, looking back on it, it, just learning better to serve my employees along the way would be a, a way of, I think, sharing with somebody else. Perfect. Thank you for that. And, yeah. and I think the other thing, too, is like I said before earlier, is connecting with your patient early and really understanding them and get to know them. You know, here in Phoenix, we're one of the largest cities in the country. So we get different um, nationalities and different things. Get to know them, understand their cultures. Um, and that's going to make your job a lot easier to go through those different things. And the more I do this, the more I understand it's just really getting to know people is such a big part of it. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you for that. And yeah, honestly, like I just realized the time is flown by, but before we wrap up, I just wanted to kind of finish up. Like, are there any other additional information or advice that you'd like to share with people on the podcast that are aspiring like physical therapists that would love to get into sports or in a private practice or things like that? And then also another question, um, if people are interested in talking with you and kind of just contacting you, what would be the best way to go about that? Um, advice wise, it's kind of like I said, is just be humble and, and, and just stay the course and really find out what your purpose is. Why are you doing physical therapy? Not because you need the money. That's a, that's a byproduct, but truly ask why, well, I like helping people Then just, and ask yourself why six more times. Well, I like treating people because this makes me feel this way. Okay. Why do you feel that way? And just keep asking the word why about six times and it'll boil down to really what your true why is. Cause when you find that you find your passion. And if you find your passion, it'll lead you to fun things. Like what kind of patients you enjoy treating? Why? Those kind of things. And I really encourage people to really understand who they are. At the same time, encouraging people to understand who their patients are and to really reach out. Unfortunately for me, as an observation, I've seen this decline over the last 15 years. And I don't know if it's because of the phones and people communicate via text more than ever before. But facial contact, which we do in physical therapy, is sometimes a lost art with some of our students. And I really want them to work on eye contact and, and making them feel comfortable. I think it's a lost art. You know, I have people now, players, their roommate, they'll text the roommate next to them. They won't talk to them. And they're on the table next to each other. And they're texting <laughs> each other. I go, guys, you're right next to each other. Just talk. Crazy. And they don't, they don't. It's the culture. But at the same time, when someone comes to your clinic, there's a time and place that you can text somebody, but then there's a time and place you got to be face to face and say, Hey, this is what we're thinking. And, and give them that, that comfort, you know, um, to reach me. The best way actually is uh, Instagram at the underscore Brett Fisher. That's B R E T T F I S C H E R. That's probably the best way. And I okay. check my Instagram. That's probably the best way to do it. I'm not an email guy. I, I get emails all the time, but I don't check them till late in the day. And it's a lot, but on my Instagram, it's a lot easier. Okay, perfect. Yeah, Brett, thank you so much for coming on. Honestly, like knowing, like being from Arizona and everything in the PT world, it's definitely like your name has popped up throughout like my like academics and everything. And it's been super cool to be able to have you on and, and share your story. I think it's something that's super amazing. Um, and I love to be able to have you on in the future and talk more about all the different components of education that you've gained. Because definitely seeing you work in the clinic a couple of times that I saw, you definitely had that understanding that mastery of PT and how to best improve patients. And I think some of the things that you talked about, I'd love to have you on and share those things with the people on the podcast as well. Well, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy to come back anytime you want me to. Okay. Thank you so much, Brett. You have a great night. All right. Thanks, JT. Take care. Thank you. Thanks everybody for listening to the podcast. I hope you liked that episode. If you did, make sure to subscribe and also leave a review. Thanks everybody and we'll see you next time.